Barbara, thank you for leading us in prayer. And praise team, thank you for leading us in song and the hoods for kicking it off with lighting of the Advent wreath. And she did pray for Anne. What you may not know is her son surprised her. It is her 70th birthday yesterday. She is officially our senior pastor. I may be lead pastor, but I'm going to call her senior pastor. That's the way I roast her anyway. But uh, that's for you, Anne, because you're probably listening. And uh, But wish her a happy birthday this week if you get to see her. And, you know, this is a really exciting part of the season of life, right? Season of, of, of the year. And, and you may have noticed that, you know, the decorations are going up, right? This is one of my favorite times, seeing the lights go up outside and the trees go up inside. Uh, those of you that may have been downtown yesterday, uh, Eleanor hammed it up in the parade. I mean, she had, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand of best friends out there. I mean, it was a great outing last night. But, um, you know, I love seeing the lights go up. We, we put them up on our own house. But I have to tell you, I think we have the Griswolds that live behind us in the street behind us. Take a look. Um, this is last night uh, at a neighbor behind us in the cul-de-sac. And not only is Frosty across the roof, if you, if, if you look close enough, but Bucky made it by the front door, too. I don't know what Bucky has to do with Christmas, but apparently that, that's, that's the new thing. So, but um, I bet most of your houses don't look quite like this. Now, maybe some of y'all do, but, but um, we, we, we light up, but we don't go like that. And, um, but all of us probably are anticipating and preparing this season to welcome people in. Maybe you got friends coming over. Maybe you're doing the block party at your house. Maybe you got some coworkers coming over, or maybe you got those outlaws coming over. You know, I mean, the in-laws, right? <laughs> coming to hang out. You know, we're all preparing in some way or another. But what if it was Jesus coming knocking on your door? What if it were Jesus coming to your house to? How would you prepare? How would you welcome Jesus into your home? Because here's the really cool thing about Jesus. When we look at his life, when we look at the gospel accounts, Jesus is all about going into people's homes. Whether it's Martha or Peter, people that he knew intimately, the know-it-alls, you know, the social elite and the, and the religious elite like Pharisees, he went into their homes too. And he went into those that were the outcasts like Zacchaeus, the tax collector. What we see throughout all of scripture is God through Jesus Christ coming into people's homes. So imagine, what would it be like to receive Jesus into your house? What would it be like? What would it be like to receive him into your home today? And as you ponder that question, let us turn to an encounter in which Jesus is entering into a home, that of Mary and Martha's, and it's found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10, and it's toward the back end of the chapter, and I'm going to read beginning in verse 38. This is what Luke captures for us. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me this morning? God, I do thank you for the privilege to enter into your presence. And 
whether we're gathered at home or whether we're gathered in this place, Lord, I thank you that your spirit moves freely and offers to dwell not just among us, but within us. So God, in these moments, as we continue to meditate upon your word, as we ponder anew what it means to welcome you in, I pray that your spirit would calm our minds and our hearts and our thoughts so that we might hear anew what you might have to share with us today and get me out of the way, as Barbara prayed, that your words would speak through me. So Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and redeemer. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Distracted. Distracted. The very first thing that we learn about Martha after opening her home up, we got to acknowledge she has opened her home up and welcomed Jesus in. The very first thing that Luke notes for us is that Martha, verse 40, was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. Now, who could blame her? I mean, how many of y'all like to be a, a good host? I do. And, and, and I don't know if OCD was around in that time, but I have that a little bit in my own, my own self. I mean, you just ask my wife, if we're having friends or family over, I tuck everything away. I want the house to look just right. In some ways, I can't help but think that I have an inner Martha in me. Maybe there's an inner Martha in y'all too, Right. And, 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 but what we find is that she's distracted. She's distracted. But the problem is, is that her distraction moves to frustration. Her distraction moves to frustration. She's frustrated at her sister Mary, who's not helping at all, but rather is sitting there listening to Jesus intently at his feet. I mean, picture it with me. I mean, Martha's probably there. I don't know. Maybe she's got a bowl and she's kneading the dough. Or maybe she's dusting something off. I don't know what it is that she's doing. But she's probably mumbling after under her breath like, Mary, just get off your blessed assurance. Just get off your blessed assurance and help me. I mean, what can, you know. And then she's probably giving that eye, that, you know, that stink eye. Have you ever had that stink eye pointed at you? Trying to guilt you into doing something, to, to do something? Did someone, yeah, from the peanut gallery up here said yes. So we won't reveal who that is. But needless to say, you know, this Imagine this is probably the scene. Martha is distracted. But even beyond that, she is frustrated. Ever been there? I resemble that remark. But her frustration gives way to something else. There's a lot of confession here today. That's why we're doing communion, you know. But her frustration gives way to, to what I call the me syndrome. You know, it's all about me, myself, and I, right? She makes it about herself rather than her guest. Listen to what she says. The the only sentence we hear out of Martha's voice that Luke captures for us is this. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left it to me to do the work myself? Tell her to help. Oh, come on now. Tell her to help me, me, right? Right? She's wrapped up in her agenda rather than that of Christ. And, and think about this. She, she's actually telling Jesus what to say rather than listening to what Jesus has to say. Picture the scene with me. She's opened her door. She's welcomed Jesus in. 
But she's unable to receive the blessing of his presence in her home. And we know this because we see in Jesus' own response. And I love the way that Jesus, he's, he's gentle and yet he's direct, right? I mean, he repeats her name. It's, it's almost like she is so worked up about Mary not helping her and all the things on her to-do list that Jesus has to rattle her out of her own attention on herself, say, Martha, Martha. And he goes on to say this. You are worried and upset about many things. Worried and upset about many things. Distracted. Frustrated. Me, myself, and I syndrome. Worried. Upset. Confession time. That's been me this past week even in preparing for this sermon. Distracted? Check. Frustrated? Check. Worried? Check. Upset? Check. Maybe more than one check. Even last night, in a conversation with my own wife, I turned the conversation and made it about me check you see I can't help but confess to you that I can relate to what I see playing out here in the life of Martha in the midst of this encounter with Jesus in her own home distracted frustrated upset worried how about you how about you what has you preoccupied today What has you worried today? Maybe job insecurity. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe it's it's something that a a family member's been diagnosed with. Maybe it's a relationship that's brittle. What is it that's got you preoccupied today? What's got you fixated today such that you can't see the bigger picture and what Jesus has to offer you? Because I think for each of us today, we could probably name a thing or two. Can I get an amen? And and i got news for you. That's exactly where the devil wants you and wants me. What is it that, that Jesus reminds us in the Gospel of John? He talks about how the thief comes to rob, kill, and what? Destroy and steal, right? What's stealing your joy this season? What's robbing you of hope? What's instilling fear in your life? What's got you consumed, worked up, where someone has to shake you and call you by your name, Martha, Martha? What is that that is taking place in your life? Because you see, the thing is, is that we can get so fixated on the things around us, the things that are taking place, the things that are happening in our lives, that we're unable to fix our attention on the very one that can address those things. We can get so fixated on those things that we lose sight 
But the fact that it's Jesus that can address the worry in your life. That comes to, to offer something to alleviate the fear in your life. The one that can forgive you even when you remind yourself or Satan's reminding you that you can't, you're unforgivable. Have you all been there? The one that can redeem you, the one that can restore you. You see, sometimes we can get so fixated on the things that we lose sight of the one who can offer us what only Christ can offer us and desires to offer us. So if that's where you are this morning, if you find yourself overwhelmed, distressed, joyless rather than joyful, hopeless where there should be hope, well, maybe... You, like me, this past week, need to hear the word that Jesus had to say to Martha. He responded after calling out her name and addressing the deeper issues of her soul that she was worried and upset, the underlying things, not the presenting things, but the real things that are going on in her life. He said, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, time out for a minute, because I think at first blush, you can think that Jesus is favoring a contemplative life over a life of service, right? That he's saying Mary gets a gold star and Martha doesn't. Martha was being a great host. She knew what it meant to be a host. In fact, if you look at her life and all the other passages, she's a tremendous host. And Jesus reminds us that he didn't come to be served, but to what? Come on now. It was participatory this morning, all right? To serve. He taught us to have a servant heart. So it's not the serving that's the wrong thing. It's becoming fixated on some things that can get us in trouble. You see, we can get so caught up on the temporal matters that we lose sight of the eternal matters. Can I say that again? We can get so caught up on the temporal matters that we lose sight of the eternal matters. And the reality is the temporal things matter to you, right? The pain, the unforgiveness, the struggle, the disease, the the financial insecurity. Those things matter, don't they? Can I get an amen? amen? And they matter to Jesus too. They matter to him too. But it's when we begin to put our attention on the eternal that we begin to put the temporal into the right perspective and that's what i think jesus is trying to shake and get attention of martha in this text you see jesus knew that we would worry in fact the greatest sermon ever preached the sermon on the mount in matthew 5 6 and 7 right in the middle of it in chapter 6 he's talking about some of those things that we worry about like what are you going to wear what are you going to eat i have two teenagers in the house every meal time what are we going to eat any y'all there it's, you know, you can't get an amen from the front, right? I mean, the, the voracious appetite. What are we going to eat? You know, it's like I'm going to go without food. There's a lot of things that can worry us. In the midst of that, what is it that Jesus says in Matthew's gospel? Matthew six thirty three. he says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will give and be given to you as well. Look eternally and know that the temporal is going to be taken care of, that he's going to meet you in the midst of that. Back to our text, as he's talking to Martha, he says, but a few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. 
So what's that one thing? What is that one thing? What is that one thing? It's to seek the presence of God. To seek the presence of Christ Jesus. To seek the presence of him wanting to speak into your heart and into my heart, into my situations, into your situations, into the troubles of your life and the troubles of my life, and to speak. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. You see, it's about making room, isn't it? That's what Mary was doing. Yeah, there was things to do, and they wanted to feed Jesus that day. You know, some of the early hour reminded me, you know, no one probably remembers what they ate that day. But they remember that Jesus entered their house. Think about that. Think about that. You know, David knows what it's like to be a man after God's own heart and to seek after God. And I love the way that he wrote in the psalm, Psalm 27, 4. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. And then Psalm 84, 84, 1 and 2, it opens up this way. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And he goes on to write in verse 10, and y'all know the song. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand. Better is one day in your courts. You see, David, David understood the presence of God being in the temple. He thought he needed to get near to God by going to God's house. Well, I got news for you because of Jesus Christ. We don't necessarily have to come to his house. He wants to come to your house. He wants to come to my house. He wants to go to your neighbor's house. He wants to go to the stranger's house. He wants to go to the outcast's house. And he wants to offer the hope that only Jesus Christ can offer to each and to every one of us. You see, we long for that day. We read it in the Advent reading today of that day with a new heaven and a new earth when there's no more sorrow, no more tears. And, and Jesus, through his blood and through the cross and through the resurrection, said, hey, I'm going to go prepare a place for you in the Father's house, right? You know, the big, big house with lots and lots of room. But we don't have to wait for heaven. Jesus offers heaven here and now. That's what he's come to offer. That's what he wants to bring to your doorstep and into your home and into your heart. You see, it's not a question of whether he's knocking. It's a question of whether we're willing to open the door. It's a question of whether we're willing to open our hearts and our homes to allow him in. And I got news for you. I don't think Jesus wants to come in as a guest. And we want to treat him as a guest, right? We want to give him the, the dignity of, of the best seat at the table, right? And all this. But he doesn't want to come as a guest. When Jesus comes back, he's coming back as king, y'all. He wants to be Lord. He wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be Lord of your home. He wants to be Lord of your family. He wants to be Lord of your finances. He wants to be Lord over your brokenness. He wants to be Lord of your purpose in life. Jesus comes knocking. 
this Advent season, how will you receive him? How will you welcome him in? Are you willing, like I, to confess that there are distractions and there are frustrations and there are things that can rob us of the reality that he's knocking and he wants to come in? And through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that's available to you and to me, guess what? I got great news for you today. It is possible. It is possible to fully receive him. Not a savior. Yes, but also Lord, who simply just wants to sit beside you at the table and speak to you and to speak to me. That's the beauty. That's the beauty of the incarnate Christ. That's the beauty of Christ coming at Christmas. His present is waiting, it's His presence. Will you receive him today? Will you make room for him today? May we do so, church. May we do so. Would you pray with me? Almighty God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your lavish grace, and I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your pardon. I thank you for the blessing of your son, Jesus Christ who truly is the way, the truth, and the life to you. And that you've made room for us, and not just us, but for everyone. Those that don't know you. Those that have been hurt by those that have gone in your name before. Those that are questioning. God, you make room for each and every one of us, and you meet us right where we are. God, I pray that through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit that you would work in me. I, I'm, I'm asking for myself, and I imagine I'm not alone, that there have been a lot of things that can get me worked up, mumbling under my breath, giving a stink eye to others, even my own family. God, I pray that you would shake me out of that. God, that you would shake us out of it. God, that we would not get so caught up on the temporary but we can't, that we can't see the eternal. And God, I thank you that you don't dismiss the things before us, the things inside us, but rather you want to dwell in us and to work through those things in us and to transform us. But we have a choice in that. So God, I pray that we, those that have already said yes to you, God, that we would... We would take inventory of the areas of our life that we have yet to receive you fully and allow you to, 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 to take up residence as Lord of our life. And God, for those that we know that don't know you, God, it is of eternal consequence to them. You've made room for them to, God, empower us today. Empower us this week. Disrupt our patterns, our text, our phone calls, our, our conference calls, our getting out and walking in community, wherever it may be, Lord, today, disrupt us and create those opportunities for us to convey the gift your Son has to offer to those around us. For you've made room for them too. God, I ask all of this in the high and the mighty and the precious name of Jesus Christ. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Amen.